Hi, everybody. Welcome to Big G Country. I'm Gary McCollman, better known as Big G. On Big G Country, throughout the weeks ahead, we're going to be talking about country music. We're going to be interviewing artists of country music, both past and present, American, Canadian. And we're going to be talking about the people that have made country music as successful as it is today. Not just the artists, but writers and DJs. Yes, of course, I'm a little selfish about this, but without DJs and country radio, there'd be no hits and no artists and no writers. So it's this time an expansion on exactly what country music is all about and who makes country music. So we'll be talking to artists that now are in the Grand Ole Opry, the history of country music, the Country Music Hall of Fame, both in the United States and the Canadian Country Music Hall of Fame. And of course, we're going to be talking about racing because I love racing, both dirt and pavement racing, and talking about some favorite young people and older racers as well. It's all for you right here on Big G Country. So let's get started. Well, my first interview has to be with a fellow that I spent 16 years sitting across from each and every day on radio. His name is Wayne Matthews. We call him Matty. But together, we had a very successful 16-year run at the top of the radio charts in eastern Ontario. So let's get friendly with some DJs, and especially my buddy, my partner. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Wayne Matty Matthews. Well, how you doing, old partner? You're looking good. Hey, you're not looking too bad yourself, buddy. You got the shades on? You combed your hair for this occasion? Not only combed my hair, but even manscaped. Well, you, you manscaped, did you? <laughs> well, Biggie, I uh, had an eye appointment yesterday. That's why I'm wearing the sunglasses. Uh, a little bit of a cataract problem. You know that stuff they blow into your eyes? Still a little fun. But uh, just a question, and give me an honest answer. Do I look like Eric Church? I got to tell you, Matty, when I first saw you pop up on the screen here, I I said to Rick Bolt, Rick, don't you think he looks like Eric Church? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, see that? Even our producer, Rick Moulton, said, I think we got the wrong guy. I think we got Eric Church. <laughs> <laughs> or, or is it more like this is what Eric looks like when he doesn't go to church? You know, Matty, I've always said without us DJs spinning those country hits on radio, people wouldn't really know an awful lot about country artists or they wouldn't pay to go see them in concerts and at venues all across North America and, for that matter, the world. Because, hey, with YouTube, uh, this program is on all over the world, including Europe and, and everywhere else. Now, I know that as a DJ for over 50 years, uh, you have not only entertained Th hundreds of thousands of country music radio listeners. But, buddy, you've been fired by the best radio stations <laughs> in this country. Take us take us back. Take us down the journey of DJ Wayne Matty Matthews. Well, so true, uh, Biggie. I have had the pleasure of working at many radio stations over the course of my career, which is approaching, what, almost 50 years now. And it all started at a little 10,000-watt station, the CJET in Smith Falls, Ontario, as you know. And our good buddy, 
Wayne Rostad gave me my first break in radio, as a matter of fact. And uh, to just go back a little earlier than that, I figured I'm no good in school. Uh, I, I got my grade 12, actually uh, grade 6 twice. But <laughs> at any rate, you got to find a job. I got well. I'll, I'll tell you how bad it was in school. I, I just didn't listen, and uh, <laughs> I even had my own parking spot in grade six. But uh, I'll tell you what. Are you okay, Big? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay, buddy. Just keep going. Just keep going. <laughs> okay. But Wayne Rostad was was uh, the first gentleman to hire me to give me a break in this business, and well, we've been at it ever since. And still uh, dabbling away as you are, and uh, I wish you very well, by the way, in your new endeavor. It uh, is going to be great for everybody involved in country music, and uh, congratulations on that. So back to Smith Falls. I stayed there for about a year before I got fired. Uh, went to Ottawa. I got fired now, but some stupid little thing. So uh, what was the stupid little thing? Uh, Can you remember? No, uh, no, no. Uh, I said something derogatory about the boss's uh, friend. Or, <laughs> but you can't do that these days. But at any rate, I went to Ottawa, stayed in Ottawa for a year, got a job offer to go to Montreal and work for Gord Sinclair Jr. at Seafox, the original Seafox, by the way. That was in 1972. And the problem there, I had a good time and uh, maybe too good of a time because the radio station was a two-story building the station was on the top floor, and the bar was on the bottom floor. <laughs> so, you know, that was not a good mix. So, I guess the prep was done downstairs, right? <laughs> I remember going on the air at night sometimes, and uh, hello, Canada. Uh, I thought it was a little bigger than it was. But uh, <laughs> we all had very fond memories and worked with some great people. And then... Went on to Windsor, Detroit, to CKLW FM. Spent five years there, and after five years, I decided to move back to the Kingston area. And well, I only stayed here for a year, then went back to Ottawa for the second time, and on to Toronto, as you know, at CFGM Radio in Toronto. Uh, a wonderful time there for almost ten years, and back to Kingston. Here we go again. And I think there might have been another trip to Ottawa in between. So at any rate, I've been bounced around a little bit, but still uh, hanging tough and uh, love this business so much. Uh, I can't think of anything else I'd rather be doing. Well, I want you to go back a little bit because I know you mentioned the station, but I have to highlight it. CKLW in Windsor, Detroit was without doubt the biggest, most influential radio station in Canada back in the late 50s through the 60s and 70s, because they were the epitome of rock and roll, not just in Canada, but all over the United States. And you worked at that station. Now, tell us a little bit about working with the icons of rock and roll back in the early days at the Big 8 CKLW. Well, I worked uh, actually on the CKLW FM side, but I did uh, have the pleasure of rubbing shoulders and walking the halls with uh, some of the greats in radio. I mean, Hall of Fame disc jockeys like Tommy Shannon, uh, Dick Purton, uh, Brother Bill Gable, 
uh, Teddy Bear Richards. I walk the halls with these guys every day, and uh, I learned so much just uh, by talking to them every day. Although I wasn't on CKLW, uh, the Big Eight, I was on the sister station, but uh, I was just a young man. But I had an experience that I'll never, ever forget. It was just such a wonderful time down there. Windsor, Detroit, I love the people. I, I just missed being home, though, because I grew up in a small town of Coburg and uh, streams and hills and the valleys of Northumberland County uh, sort of got me wandering and hoping to go back home. So I just left after about five years and, uh, well, been back around here ever since. As a DJ for many, many years, Wayne, and all of us have interviewed all the top stars in country music for you and I, even past stars back in the uh, late 60s through the 70s, right through to the current stars of today. Um, we get the opportunity to interview and, and uh, mingle with these people. Uh, let us, uh, a couple of highlights from your career as to stars that you've interviewed over the years. Maybe, um, maybe the most enjoyable interview you had and maybe the least enjoyable interview you've had. Okay, well, first of all, I'll, I'll, I'll come right off the top and say, Probably my favorite interview was with Charlie Daniels. It was at Coble Hall in Detroit after one of his concerts there. And he was the most uh, accessible, friendly man that I think I've ever interviewed in country music. He was just such a, a wonderful guy that uh, just opened up his heart and uh, his whole life to me. And we became actually pretty good friends after that. And go back even further i had the opportunity to interview claude king uh Wolverton mountain if you remember and uh the fellow that uh wrote the western novels uh just before he passed i, I had a chance to uh, talk to him and he also autographed a few books for me louis lamore if you remember, uh, the the great western writer and he was a uh, uh, a great interview as well and Boxcar Willie, and those were like fun times. And I did most of those interviews when I was at CFGM, as you were in Toronto, over the, uh, almost 10 years. But one interview I remember that probably didn't go so well was with Conway Twitty. And Con Conway was with uh, his daughter, I forget her name now, but he was- Conway Twitty's daughter? That, that was Kitty Twitty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was promoting her, trying to get her started in the business, we'll say, right? Well, you know what her hit song was, right, Maddie? Kitty Twitty, I'm on my way to the sandbox. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, leave the jokes to me, okay, B? Uh, <laughs> but no, the, pro the problem was this. Uh, I was sort of giving eyes to his beautiful young daughter and... Uh, uh, he wasn't happy. So, at any rate, we'll leave it at that. So tell me, Maddie, now that we've been doing this for 16 years and, and Canadian country music has evolved the way it has, and just recently they had the CCMA Country Music Awards show, how do you see uh, Canadian country music as it's, uh, well, going to be in the next five, ten years? Well, I think it's uh, amazing the talent that we have in this country right now, and it just seems to be getting better and better and you know it's so nice to see some of these people getting recognized uh, as well because uh, for a lot of years as you know it 
just wasn't happening for a lot of our Canadian country artists. But now you're right up at the top with uh, the best of them. And, well, keep it up. You're doing a great job out there. So, Matty, my last question of the day is, back in Windsor, Detroit, I know that you not only were a great DJ, and, of course, I've been a fan of yours for all these years, but you uh, you tried your hand at becoming a country music star, and you, you, you sang. You had almost a hit song. I... Man, I, I think it sold what ten copies. <laughs> My sh- oh, 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 okay. Or oh, you want to restate that question? <laughs> Little joke, but anyhow, uh, as we evolved over the years, you also became Bucky Pri- Bucky Pry. So, tell us about uh, Bucky Pry, and tell us about that hit song you just about had back in Winter Detroit. Well, those ten copies, by the way, were bought by me. <laughs> The song was called All Ride for Free and was actually a pick of the week in the RPM magazine. It was the only song released that week. But <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that. I, I simply changed my name because I was on the radio in Windsor, Detroit, and I was just sort of using an alias. And so instead of Wayne Matthews, I used Matt Wayne. And then when we got together with our uh, great run for 16 years here in Kingston, I decided to maybe sing a few more songs, and you jumped in as well as my partner. Well, it went to Bucky Pride and Two Lines Behind, because you you just couldn't keep up big. I mean, yeah, I know, but you tried. But I tried. And, well, I still have the, I still have that bucket you tried to carry that tune in. What prevented you from becoming a country music legend? Well, as you know, there's only two things, only two things that stopped me be- becoming a huge, massive country star in Nashville. And I've had people tell me this all my life. Wayne, why didn't you make it big in Nashville? And I told them why. Why is that? I could not remember the lines to the songs and no count. <laughs> oh, man, this has been fun as always. Um, we're going to have to do this again. Uh, thanks for being, thanks for being with us, Maddie. We really appreciate it for this our very first edition of Big G Country. Biggie, all the best. All right, and thanks for including me in your first show. Hey, Maddie, thanks for being on our first show. It's a pleasure having you here. Love you, buddy. Coming up next, we've got one of the best and well-known songwriters in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, you may never heard of him, but. Each and every artist knows who Max T. Barnes is, and his father, Max D. Barnes, was for sure. Because without a songwriter, there's no song. Without a song, there's no artist. Max T. Barnes is coming up next, right after this word from our sponsors this week, Rita Wakers Campgrounds. This edition of Big G Country is brought to you by Rito Acres Campgrounds, a family campground that's been owned locally in southeastern Ontario since 1971. Rito Acres is just 10 minutes from downtown Kingston, Ontario, a historic city in southeastern Ontario, right on Lake Ontario and the Thousand Islands. You can swim in their outdoor pool or you can spend a day at the lake. Rito Acres has excellent fishing, boating rentals, horseshoes, frisbee, golf, mini putt, and basketball, all the activities, including a scenic hiking or walking trails for your enjoyment. 
and they're situated right on the UNESCO World Heritage Site known as the Rideau Canal. Don't forget, full banquet facilities are also available for weddings, banquets, and meetings, and there's always lots to do at the friendly confines of Rideau Acres, better known to us locally as the Gated Community. <laughs> Thanks for sponsoring this edition of Big G Country. Now it's time for us to introduce our next guest, a songwriter par excellence, a guy who has written songs that have had over 5 million radio plays. His father, Max D. Barnes, was one of the greatest songwriters back in the 70s and 80s. Wrote songs for George Jones and Merle Haggard and Randy Travis and Vince Gill, and it just goes on and on. Well, his son, Max T. Barnes, is a chip off the old block. Written great songs, number one songs. How about Love Me with Colin Ray? We'll talk to Max about his father and himself. So let's introduce him to the program right now. My good friend, my buddy from Nashville, Tennessee, here's Max T. Barnes. Hey, Max. Hey, Big G. Been great. How you doing? We're doing absolutely great here. Uh, in Nashville, I know you guys have had some pretty wicked weather down there lately. Oh, just a little bit of uh, rain this week. Nothing to be scared of. When you get snow, then you get scared, right? That's right. I, I understand you guys have uh, nine months of winter and three months of poor sledding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'll, I'll pass on that. Uh, Max, Yeah, let's talk a little bit about your family history first before we delve into yourself personally. But... Your dad uh, was just an absolutely icon of songwriters. He's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame. And um, for many, many years, I started in, in country music. The first first radio show I played country was in 1963. And that's just about when your dad started, uh, moved from Idaho over to Nashville and started writing, right? Uh, you're close. Yeah, we're from Omaha. Omaha? We moved in 73. I was 10 years old. I remember it well. Yeah. We moved to Nashville, and, uh, of course, it was like the dark side of the moon to us because it was so different. But uh, we we assimilated and became true Southerners, and I just love it down here. If you ever visit Nashville, you'll enjoy some Southern hospitality. But, yeah, we uh, we uh, I grew up. Uh, my dad was a struggling songwriter, and then he didn't have to struggle much anymore. He got pretty good at it. And he started having number ones around 1980. His first number one was, um, I think it was uh, Don't Take It Away by Conway Twitty. And from then on, he had had an amazing career. He sold 50 million records. He had over 500 cuts, and he wrote 24 number ones. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's uh, uh, an inspiration to me, and I learned everything I know from him. Well, I know that... And when you list the artists that sang his songs, I just recently read Rav, uh, Randy Travis's book, as a matter of fact. And in part of that, when he started to uh, talk about the song Always and Forever, he really bragged up your dad. He said, uh, uh, Max D. Barnes is one of the greatest writers. And when I got handed this song and I knew that, that he had written this song, he said, I had to record it right away. And of course, uh, one of uh, Randy Travis's biggest hits, right? So there you go. Yeah, it was a it was a good number one. Uh, Randy Travis has been good to me and my family for a long time. Uh, my dad had uh, several number ones by Randy. That was one. 
if I didn't have you was one. Uh, let's see. Uh, he wrote Storms of Life, which was the title for his first record. As a matter of fact, he wrote the title of his first three records, Storms of Life, uh, Always and Forever, and I forget what the third one was. And then I had a number one with Randy, uh, a song called Before You Kill Us All. And, uh, you know, Randy's one of the greatest singers of our time. He'll go down in history like a Johnny Cash or, a, or a, you know, Kenny Rogers, one of the icons, but his voice, when you hear the first note, you know it's Randy Travis. Absolutely, you're so right. I read the book, and I, I cried in the book, and I laughed in the book, and, and uh, you know, the, the struggles he came from, uh, the success he had, and then the struggles he went through again, and even uh, today, still struggling after that massive stroke he had. But um, the other guy who who I was interviewing one day, and he talked about your dad was George Jones. And uh-huh. because we got talking about the song, Who's Gonna Fill Their Shoes? Uh-huh. And that's, uh, and then George started to talk about your dad who uh, co-wrote that song. And, and uh, of course, it was, it's, it's such an iconic type song that even now when you, when you play that song, it plays a history to all the great uh, legends of country music. Yeah, George... George was a lot of fun, uh, and my dad had a lot of songs cut by George. Um, you know, pretty much one on his last ten records, he had a lot of things cut by George. And he and George were good buddies, and they'd talk on the phone about every evening. And I got to produce some stuff on George. And uh, as a matter of fact, I moved my studio out to his compound for about a year and a half. And we got to work together a lot. He was a lot of fun to be around. He was, you know, like if you he was so iconic that if you walked around with him, you could hear him going, yeah. And he'd talk like this, you know, he talked like George Jones, which is kind of <laughs> like walking around with a cartoon character, you know, with his voice like that all the time. But, uh, he was a genuine guy, real nice guy and a lot of fun to work with. You know, the, the, the great thing about George too is, and of course, Nancy, who I got to know really well. And, and they, they laughed about, the and I'll use the word he used, and they used the stupidity of the period that he went through when he became No Show Jones. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, you gotta you gotta love a character like that. But your dad was also a character, and he um, he had a reputation in in Nashville that uh, Waylon Jennings and all the guys used to gather. Uh, for example, years ago, one of the first times that I was in Nashville. Um, as a DJ, we went to a club one night, and your dad was in the club. This this had to be in the mid-70s, I think, and Merle Haggard was there that night, and the two of them got up on stage and started to sing your dad's songs. It was, instead of Merle Haggard's songs, it was amazing. Yeah, he and Merle were big buddies, too. Same kind of arrangement. You know, those those old guys that get on the phone with each other at night and talk about whatever, you know, and and uh, he and he and Merle were buddies, and uh, uh, they just really enjoyed the same kind of music. Uh, Merle was a lot of fun to be around. Uh, of course, he's Merle Haggard, and you get to—I got to sit at my dad's kitchen table and pick with him a little bit, and it's just amazing. I mean, that guy—you uh, know—they're singing singers, and then they're singers. Uh, I'm a producer, and I've worked with tons of singers, but he has the most control over his voice. He can make it do whatever he wants. And that's so rare, you know, but, uh, as a guy, um, 
that 1994 album with, with a, I think it's got um, uh, In My Next Life, which my dad and Merle wrote together, and a bunch of things. He Dad wrote about half the record with Merle. But uh, it was it was really a great uh, uh, time when Merle came to town, and, and uh, they really enjoyed each other. Now let's talk about Max T-Barnes, because uh, you're no slouch at all when it comes to uh, writing music. <laughs> You know, the first time that I actually heard about you was I was interviewing Colin Ray. Uh, he mm. was here in Canada. He was at uh, the Havelock Country Jamboree. And I went backstage and we we started chatting. And then I started to interview him. And we talked about the song Love You, which, of course, I think was his biggest hit. Uh, and he talked about Max T. Barnes. And when he said Max Barnes, of course, I first thought, well, wait a minute. Uh, and he said, no, 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 it's Max T's son, Max T. Barnes. <laughs> so, and that, that was, uh, no, and I did a little research on that. How many millions of radio spins did that song have for you? Oh, uh, I just got an award for that last year. Um, that song is about coming on 30 years old now. And I just got a BMI award for 4 million airplay, uh -oh. which is like 40 years or something on the radio. Really? Which, you know, I'm I'm over the moon. I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, and Colin is a fantastic guy, a good friend. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, we'll uh, talk or go to lunch uh, kind of regularly, and he's a lot of fun to be around. But I think uh, he and I did each other a favor when, we, when he sang that one, and uh, Skip Ewing and I wrote that together, so. Uh, gosh, I was really blessed to be a part of that song because it's it's uh, kept the old Barnes household in beans and taters for a long time. <laughs> now, this is what he told me this, and I'm going to repeat it, and you're the songwriter, so now I get to ask you because I want to know what you think of what he said. But he told me the way you wrote that song was not the phrasing he ended up using when he recorded it. Was that uh, is that a true statement? I'd say that would be that wouldn't be false. Let me let me explain. When uh, when I when I was a uh, I was a guitar player on the road. At the same time, the music, the songwriting, was uh, kind of uh, coming on for me. So I was playing lead guitar with a guy named Skip Ewing. He was on MCA Records, and he had a few hits at that time. And a super talented guy, and he he wrote a bunch of huge hit songs. But he and I were uh, in the back of the bus going to Utah, and we'd written that song on a on a trip uh, out on on tour, and um, and Skip has a, almost a Willie Nelson ish uh, phrasing, you know, where he'll speed up and he'll slow down, very artistic, you know. But uh, yeah, Colin Ray and um, his producer, uh, there's two of them, John Hobbs and um, uh, slips my mind, but. They ironed that song out and made it what it is, so I'm forever grateful. Yeah, and that happens sometimes where they'll hear it their way, and I'll do that to other people's songs when I'm cutting on artists. I'll iron out wrinkles and and uh, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's that's true. He's got that right. Now, let's move to today because I know you still you tour yourself. You give seminars and songwriting. Uh, I have invited you and your Nashville cronies to come into our area and do some performing, and I want you to 
I hope you take that, uh, you know, that invitation because I want you to come on up here and, and show people the talent that you have. But so, so what are you doing now? Well, I know that you, well, you tell everybody exactly what Max T. Barnes is up to. Well, as far as uh, coming up there, you know, you know, we would love to. We, me and my band, tour around the whole world, the whole wide world, and uh, we. It's kind of a mix between a, a, a songwriter's night and a and a full band night because I'll do all my dad's hits and all my hits, and it depends on what sort of night it is. We'll throw some Merle Haggard or George Jones. We just love country music. And we know there's such a demand for it and maybe just starvation for it, you know. But we're as big a country music fans as anybody. So we we really put our shoulders into it and try to give the folks the good country music that they're really wanting. Now, having said that, uh, you know, I tell the stories behind the songs and the funny anecdotes and the sad things that happen. And, you know, all over the world, I had a, I had a lady in Australia once kind of, about bring me to tears with her story about her husband and how they played that my song love me by colin ray at the funeral and i'd heard it so many times from so many people but it and it always touches me but gee sometimes it just gets to you it means the world to these people and i can't believe that i was a little part of that so anyway uh we enjoy if you come to a max t barn show you're gonna love the country music you'll laugh you'll cry uh when you come shake my hand, I'd love to sign a CD for you. We just really love going and playing for the folks. Now, you do a lot in Europe, Max. So uh, how's that crowd when it comes to country music from North America? Uh, it's very different. The, the um, Mostly I've played in Ireland, England, Scotland, uh, Belgium, uh, what is that, other Sp Spain, Portugal. But my favorite folks are uh, my friends. In Ireland, they have such a dance culture there. They get up and dance to every song, and they fast dance. And the and the older people, my age and older, uh, they they can get out there and whip each other around. It's incredible, and they all do it. It's not just a few. It's a they love country music, and when they're not out three nights a week dancing to country music, they're on Facebook, you know, singing the praises of it or promoting artists. They're a, a great people, and I. I've made so many friends over there, and we had a, a, a pretty large tour. It was about 10 days playing every day uh, in Ireland alone. And, of course, that didn't work out this year. But next year, we'll go back and do it all again, maybe even bigger. Well, Max, I just want to let you know that I'm putting a CD out very shortly. It's uh, called Big G's Line Dancing with a Walker. <laughs> it's, it's for those of those of us who are a little age challenged. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy a copy. <laughs> you know, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, and again, on this program, I just don't want to highlight artists. I want to highlight the people who have made the artists who they are. And, uh, of course, you know, there's no hit songs without songs. There's no artists and hit songs without radio play and, uh, and exposure. And so that's why I'm also having some great country DJs on here as well, because I think, and it's selfishly think, they need the exposure. Um, so, but it's always a pleasure. It's great. You're a super good friend. And uh, every time I've been to Nashville, uh, you know, we've been able to hook up. And it's, uh, it's always, it's all, I love talking about country music and the history of it and the, and the songs. So, Matt, 
best of luck. And listen, I'm going to keep you to to the promise. Now you're going to come up here, right? Yes, sir. If you if you uh, if you'd have us, we'd love to come. We have a great time. Like I said, we're there for the fans, and we do we love it. So you you'll see that when we play. We just love playing the country music. Uh, we'd love to come out. Uh, and uh, Big G, I, I want to thank you. You've been such a, uh, a friend to this industry and uh, uh, songwriters and artists, and we appreciate you and, and what you've done. And, uh, you know, God bless you. It's people like you who keep the country music going. And uh, if you'd like to find out more about what we got going, I've got a, a bit on a TV show, Steve's Country Showdown on Sky 376 in Europe. So my European friends can tune into that. It's Max T's American Country, where I host a video show, and it's the uh, American videos, American Country. And, uh, of course, you know, be checking in on MaxTBarns.com for tour information for next year. And I hope a bunch of them will be up there with you, Big G. Thank you, Max, very much for those kind words. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being on our first program. You deserve it, man. You're a great friend and a super, super contributor to the success of country music. Well, that's it for our first edition of Big G Country. Thanks for being along this week. It's all been brought to you by our good friends at Rita Wakers Campgrounds, home of the gated community. We'll be back again next week with some more guests right here. Matter of fact, our good buddy Mark McDonald's going to be here, the leader of the group Ambush, and we'll be talking a little racing also. That's next time right here on Big G Country. And listen, if you want to get in touch with us, remember, here's how you do that. Go to Big G at BigGCountry.ca. We'll see you next time right here on Big G Country. Thanks for being along with us. This program is produced by our good buddy and friend, Rick V. Moulton. Thanks for tuning in to Big G Country. See you next time. Big G Country.